What up, everybody? Ryan Rucco, CC Sabathia here. Brand new episode of R2C2. You will hear us chat with former Patriot great Julian Edelman in just a moment. Julian now on our side of the business when it comes to sports has the Games with Names podcast, revisiting iconic moments from the greatest sports games ever. Launched it in August of 2022, produced by Edelman's Coast Productions and Super Digital. Great podcast. You are going to thoroughly enjoy this conversation with Julian Edelman. Awesome perspective on being a sports fan. Awesome perspective on going over the middle as a receiver, on playing with Tom Brady, on Tom's retirement. Um, and Julian is just an interesting dude who you're thoroughly going to enjoy talking to. It's interesting. I was just uh, in Seattle this week. Yankees fans amaze me. There were so many Yankees fans in Seattle. Now, I happen to be out there to broadcast the WNBA and Brianna Stewart's return to Seattle as a member of the Liberty now, which she and the Liberty look great and I think are going to be a, a ridiculous force to be reckoned with this season, along with the Las Vegas Aces. But it was amazing, the hotel I was staying at, and I was not at the Yankees team hotel. And everybody there was clearly there for the Yankees game. It was crazy. I went down to the uh, complimentary breakfast and the entire place was filled with Yankees fans. Literally, I don't think, first of all, the place was packed. Everybody, you, you know, everybody loves a free breakfast. And then I do not think there was a single family, couple, person there who was not in Yankees garb. I was blown away. It's Seattle. It's not Baltimore. This is a hike. Just incredible. And the Yankees have broken out the bats in Seattle. It's funny, when they were going through their offensive struggles, and I witnessed a lot of that up close, I had a seven-game road trip against uh, Minnesota and against Texas where they could not hit at all. And it was hard to see a path, even with Judge out, it was hard to see a path to never mind potency, but offensive competency with how bad they were and feeling like they were going to need a lot more than just Judge. But Judge has come back, and he's performing like he did last season. He has been historically good since he's come back off the IL. Harrison Bader, the injury is going to hurt because he has brought not just a level of competence, but above average offensive production with incredible defense in center field. So his injury will hurt a little bit. The Yankees will have to weather that. But he certainly has made a big difference. Glaber Torres is quietly having a really solid season offensively. And Anthony Rizzo's having a much louder, fantastic offensive season. And this team is hitting. They've hit some really good pitching over the last few games. So things in much better shape when it comes to Yankee land. Carlos Rodon on his way. Luis Severino looking excellent. Domingo Herman's having a really solid season as a starter outside of his suspension. So there's a lot to like. Plus Tommy Canely on the way at another bullpen arm that you trust. Uh, there's a lot to like about the way the Yankees are trending right now. I still think ultimately they're probably going to need uh, another reliable hitter at some point, and we'll see whether or not they still have the pieces to acquire that with everything they gave up over the last couple trade deadlines. But you feel a lot better about the position the Yankees are in with Stanton on the way as well. Who knows what you get out of Donaldson, but if he could be a boost offensively, very curious to see how they continue uh, to perform given that they have found this offensive stroke even without getting production really out of Volpe yet, without getting it out of Cabrera, with LeMahieu not being anywhere near his best, and with Stanton still not here. So some encouraging signs, some things to feel good about with the Yanks. I think this NBA Finals is going to be terrific. 
And I know that it's not necessarily the blue chip cities program stars that we've been used to with the NBA, but these have been incredible playoffs. And I do think that there's a value in unpredictability. Part of the reason, and C and I have talked about this, part of the reason we love the NFL playoffs is because the NFL has made it so that you have interest in every team. And there is great variety in who wins and loses. And of course, there's always going to be the ultimate stars, but there's not this massive variance in Super Bowl ratings when it's the Patriots or it's the Packers or it's the, I was going to say the Raiders, but we know that doesn't happen, you know, or it's the Giants or it's the Steelers or it's the Seahawks or it's the Broncos. Like no matter what, the Panthers, people are watching. And it's different. It's one event versus series, and it's it's way fewer games. And we know football just incumbently has that value, and, and nothing's ever going to come close to that. But I do think basketball can benefit from having some more variety, some more unpredictability, and from all of us doing a better job on marketing more stars. Because the reality is there's no reason why Jimmy Butler isn't given the stardom treatment that some of the other guys have been. Or Nikola Jokic, who's the best player in the NBA, doesn't have that. And I think this postseason run has generated interest and attachment from some fans who are realizing those players' stardoms and then just also the interesting stories of these teams. So I'm really excited about this series. I know a lot of people feel like Denver is is the heavy, heavy favorites. The only thing I'd say is, how is Denver different than Milwaukee or Boston before Miami played them? Like if you went into these playoffs, Milwaukee and Boston had better championship odds than Denver even did. And Miami found a way to beat those teams. Granted, you know, Milwaukee, there's, you know, a little caveat with the Giannis injury and and him, you know, missing two and a half games in the middle. But even with him, Miami took them out in five games. So I think this series is going to be a longer series than people think. I'm not sure uh, I would say Miami's going to win it. I think I'll pick Denver in seven. But I think it's going to be a longer series than people think, and I would not be surprised if Miami wins it. All right, time to get to Julian Edelman. Just an incredibly interesting dude. Obviously, a fantastic receiver, a three-time Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl MVP, and now a man who hosts podcasts. So without further ado, here's Julian Edelman joining C and me on R2C2. You know what? Let's dive right into. See, I feel like we've had a run of Bay Area guys on the podcast. Your people—they keep coming on, man. We have, and you know what? It was what one thing about the Bay Area people is we're gonna let you know. You know, we're from the Bay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I watched, I watched uh, your doc, and as soon as I watched your doc and saw you from the Bay, I was like, I knew I loved that guy. I knew I loved. That. <laughs> <laughs> the, the crazy thing is, we didn't even have Bay music. For the Bay part, we had some Snoop, which is you did have another, Snoop. For I that. know, I know. I wanted to get some Mac Dre, but it was hard to get it, and I don't know. You guys know how that whole production thing goes, but yeah, when you're from the Bay, you know, everyone always thinks of LA or Californians as like surfer kids from LA, or you're from San Diego, and like the Bay is like a completely different area, completely different state, and we want people to know that we're not from the surf towns or the other towns were from, you know, the, the Golden Gate, baby. You already know. So did you grow up big Niners, Giants, or A's, Raiders? Niners, Giants. I was a West, West Bay kid. I was on the peninsula. So I grew up 
uh, in Redwood City, actually where the 49ers used to have their training camp back in the 80s. I actually learned how to ride my bike on the turf fields that they had, have a piece of the turf once they left. Like I was a diehard 49ers fan. My dogs were Dwight Montana. Oh, wow. wow. Loved, loved the, the 49ers. And, it, and it's kind of crazy that I actually got to play uh, with the Patriots because, you know, it, the organization when I got there felt in that upper echelon of like the, the Niners of the 80s or the Cowboys. So it was kind of like being on the Niners of the New Day when I See, was right. the Patriots. That's a different experience than I had, like growing up a sports fan in the Bay. Like, a, not not a lot of winning, you know what I'm saying? You grew up a Niners and Giants fan, it's a lot of winning. It's you grew up an East, yeah. East Bay fan, bro, you know, we had baseball a little bit, but it was no football wins at all. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie, though. I did jump ship when Jerry went to the Raiders. Hey! When Jerry Rice went to the Raiders. And we all loved Tim Brown when he used to tape his fingers. Rich Gaines yes. over there slinging it with that sidearm throw. Like Charlie Gardner. Some, we had a good squad back Gardner. then. You know, I loved watching the Raiders. Uh, and, and it was cool because the Raiders had that kind of pissed off. We're the Raiders. We're the bad boys. And, like, I love that, you know, with, with old Al Davis in the sweatsuits. There was just, like, <laughs> a big aura around the Raiders. Now, Julian, you were. this is always interesting to me because we all are friends with people who are diehard sports fans, right? And at some point... One of them will say something like, hey, even if my kid played for the Red Sox, like I'd still root for the Yankees or whatever. There's that sort of now you were a big enough 49ers fan that your dogs were named after legendary 49ers. Obviously, once you're in the business and you're playing for a different organization, the fandom morphs in a lot of ways because you're rooting for you and your team. Has any of your 49er fandom come back since retiring? Definitely. I mean, I, I always want to see the Niners do well. Uh, you know, I'm on a like a 15-person high school text chain with all my guys <laughs> from high school, and, and they talk 49ers all day. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm engaged with 49er content. I go back home. I visit my parents a bunch. And, and it's funny that you said that because I thought you were going to go to – has any – like family member or friends said yeah. you couldn't play for a certain team. And the the day I became a free agent in 13, I was talking to my older brother and he goes, if you sign with the Cowboys, I can't root for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't root for you. You know, like that's the one thing. You yeah. know, you, you, we hated the Cowboys or the Packers. You know, the yeah. Packers were knocking us out in that early round every year in the division round with Brett Favre back in those days before J.J. Stokes caught that one down the, the middle but, uh, you know, yeah, I, I was a big Niners fan. Loved the Giants, San Francisco Giants, Barry Bonds. I watched all 500, 600, 700. The guy would see one pitch a week and be a dinger in Willie McCovey Cove. It was crazy. <laughs> crazy. It was crazy. They, when yeah. you were, if you ever want to just look back at the most absurd statistics any individual had in any sport for any period of time, you just look at oh. Bonds in, like, 2001. Just look at his numbers, like... In that or or one or two, look at the intentional walks. He was he had more two hundred, right? He, he had two hundred. He, he had yeah. his intentional walks. So he set the previous record. I'm pretty sure was like Ted Williams at like fifty intentional walks in a season. I'm ballparking, but it was somewhere around there. And I think one season he had 
I don't know if it was 200, but it was right around there. I'm going to get the exact number. It's some ridiculous number when you think about that. So he he had 120 intent, oh, yeah, intentional walks intentional in his walks. season. Now, keep in mind, had, nobody, yeah, nobody in the league right now is even walking 120 times Overall, at a time where like that's a huge emphasis, right? On base percentage. No one's walking 120 times. This dude was intentionally walked 120 times this season. I, they, I remember they walked him in with the bases loaded once. Didn't but, they? But, Buck yeah, Showalter, they did. yeah. Buck Showalter. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it was it was it was something crazy. I mean, to watch Barry Bonds and and it it's funny because Matthew Slater, he's a he's still a Patriot. I think he's going on year fifteen as a special teamer, the the gladiator captain of the New England Patriots. He's a big stat guy, so you know we'd be in the training room and we'd be going over all of Bonds' stats because you know guys would be throwing out, oh, what about this guy? I'm like, no one comes close to Barry stats. I don't care what happened, whatever this, that, the other. This guy has the most craziest. What he has seven hundred and. 700 and 500 club. 700 yeah. homers, 500. 500 bags. Bags. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's unreal to watch. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, in those four straight MVP years, it's just so ridiculous. His numbers across the board, like this guy, if, I mean, oh, we could do all day. Like his OPS plus is in the is in the mid 200s. Like, yeah. It's just, he's, so he's he's two and a half times better than the average major league play. Like his numbers are, they're absurd. They're all absurd. They, you remember when he almost fought Jeff Kent? Oh, oh yeah! Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes! Oh my fun. gosh! Oh, yeah. Yes! Yeah! Jeff it, Kent, Matt Williams, Benito Santiago. Oh, those my, Matt Williams was my guy. I, I like I used to lo- and Robbie Thompson. Like those are my guys yeah, growing up. <laughs> John Beck. John, yeah, Rob Beck, Rob Beck, Rob Beck, Rob Beck, yeah, man. The hair, yeah. I mean, those are some fun times. I loved baseball growing up, and, and I played a lot of baseball. And and to be around, you know, the winning that I got to be around, not only with the 49ers, but with the Giants, the goddamn rally monkey. I still, still can't <laughs> forget it. But, yeah, it was good, good memories, good memories. So what high school did you go to out there in uh, in the Bay? I went to Woodside High School, so we're in Redwood City, and then I actually went to College of San Mateo. Shout out to the Bulldogs, nice. for a year, uh, and then I, you know, went up to Kent. So, you know, it was those were some of the funnest years of playing sports because those were the last time you got to play with guys that you were around and you were from in the same area. You know, because once you go, you know, when I when I went to Ohio, it was like. Who is this guy? What like you know? These guys are different. You know, we're just different from the Bay. We are different, and like the the weather, like showing up just in the middle of like Akron. Like, how what was that like going from you know our nice weather in the Bay, and then you know playing football in in Ohio? It, I mean, it was tough, but I, I remember, I remember going out, and it wasn't necessarily the cold that got me. Uh, I remember training before going to school, you know, I had like a month and I was in like the best condition of my life. I wanted to go in and I wanted to turn heads because I was, you know, a sophomore coming in from another school, going in to compete for the quarterback job. And I'd run every day in the Bay. I was at Woodside and I'd run and I'd do these sprints. And first day I went to Ohio, it was the first time I really experienced a little like humidity. (laughs) 
I couldn't <laughs> breathe. I mean, we were running. I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, there's no humidity in California. People don't realize it's like 85, but it feels like 60 because it's not yeah. hot. You're not sweating. It could be 95 degrees. Wear jeans. In Miami, it's like 70 degrees. I'm blowing shirts out. So it's, it's, it's the first time I experienced the humidity. And then, you know, once you get into to the winter ball, we didn't play much past thanksgiving we didn't go to bowl games as much but it, it definitely was a little colder but i mean those things you get used to especially out at a, a, a school that i was at i mean we didn't really use an indoor facility you know we practice outside and that actually shapes guys and it, it gets guys used to playing outside in that cold whether it's good or bad and, and it's something we did when i went to new england as well like you know that i think it kind of helped me to go and be able to play in the cold for the future, uh, playing in, in Ohio. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. Well, Julian, your story is, uh, you know, many are very familiar with it, but just as a a refresher, I mean, it's amazing. You talk about going to Juco, then going to Kent state where you played quarterback. You don't get a combine invite. You're drafted in the seventh round, and then you end up spending 12 seasons with the Patriots, winning three Super Bowls, Winning a Super Bowl MVP, we know the way that the greatest quarterback of all time trusted you in the biggest moments. If, if you were going to sort of hone in on what was, I don't know if there's one thing, but let's say the thing that comes to mind first for the key for you throughout your journey, not being someone who is this highly heralded prospect, but what, what kept you going and got you to have the career that you ended up having, what would it be when you think about where that journey started and, and what you were able to accomplish? It was definitely my self-confidence. Like everyone always said, oh, this guy was, this guy is going to go play on Sundays. This guy is going to go play on Saturdays, be a division one player. I always thought like, no, I was the best football player on the field. Anytime I stepped foot on the field. And I felt like that until I probably got to the league. And the only reason I didn't feel like it in the league is because I didn't know how to play the position you know, once I learned the position and and I worked hard towards that, you know, then you, your confidence gets bigger and bigger. And how that confidence grew, it was through my preparation. Uh, you know, my dad was a big practice guy. I mean, we were bringing the, the sack of balls and the bat to camping trips. We'd practice every day. If it was basketball season, I'd be going down the street with my right hand tied behind my back so I could work on my left. Football, we were doing drills in the street. Like, and, and that all was a fundamental, like, example for me on how to prepare. And, and, and that kind of carried over throughout my whole career. Like, when I went to Kent, I would sit, you know, in off days and I would put up all these bags and I'd hit my deep out, I'd hit my post, I'd hit my deep post, I'd hit my short out, and I would try to do it all like my dad used to make me do it. And I think that preparation develops self confidence. And then when you, you're prepared for an opportunity, you know, that good things usually happen. So I would say self-confidence was always my thing um, that I always had. When when uh, switching positions, like have, when you're going from quarterback to receiver in the league, did it help having that experience of playing quarterback for so long, like when, you, when it was time to switch over? Yeah, there was definitely some things that helped, like coverage recognition, uh, knowing pet peeves for quarterbacks coming flat to downhill on in-cuts and out-breaking routes, depths versus zone, spacing versus zone, 
knowing that when it's man coverage, you don't necessarily have to get your depth. You just got to get open. Those things helped me as a receiver. But what didn't help me was, you know, the lack of reps of running routes against guys. And that's what the toughest part for me was. And, you know, I remember sitting with Scott O'Brien. He's a special teams guru, one of the godfathers of special teams. And he would always say every rep, regardless, good or bad, is a bit of experience. Now, you got to remember all those reps and watch it and pair it with films. And, and that's kind of what I had to do. I had to get those reps and, you know, working in the offseason with Brady a bunch, you know, taking practice in training camp, organized team activities, mini camps, all like like it's balls versus wall. Like I was going hard always just because I needed to get those reps. And then once I was able to let that click and I was able to gain that knowledge of, all right, well, I, I did this at the top of a route and he undercut me, but what if I do that against an out route? And then he, th he undercuts it. Like it's just putting things together. It's like learning how to dance because there's a partner when, when someone's chasing you or covering you, whatever you do is going to affect what they do. And it takes time to learn that. Did it take time to get used to getting hit when going over the middle? <laughs> I loved that always. I was always, a, <laughs> you know, that, that was, it's crazy. Uh, you know, I can remember playing in like, I, I lived in a cul-de-sac and I remember playing on the streets with my friends and or my, my brother and we'd always do those throws where you, hey, you're going across the middle and Ronnie Lott's going to light you up. You got to make the catch. Yeah. Like, and I embraced that. And you got a lot more of those hits earlier in my career. But by the time I was out, I mean, there's probably 15, 20 catches that I would have been decapitated on, you know, in the first four years of my five years of my career. Because the league was changing the rules. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I definitely embraced that. And I, I always liked that. I was never afraid of contact, um, and you know that was part of my game. I also think about that with punt returners because I mean you return punts for a yeah. huge portion of your career, and I'm just like, gosh, man! Like, of course, this is someone who doesn't, didn't, won't play football. Like, and and my mentality, <laughs> <Doesn't>, didn't, won't. <laughs> but, but but I'm thinking as that as you're waiting for that you know, Ray guy, hang time, punt to drop into your arms and you just see everybody sprinting towards you. Like, what is that feeling like? At not, let's forget if you're going to fair catch it, okay? But let's say when it, as it's coming to you and you know, I'm, like I'm returning this one. And you also know there's a lot of people who with a lot of heads of steam coming right at you. Well, what people don't realize is special teams plays are like the most prepared for play. Mm. So you can get a tendency on what direction the punter likes to punt with his offsets. So you, you can kind of figure that out. And then with the hang time, depending on what you have on the blocking scheme going with return, you can determine if like, all right, this is feeling pretty high. I might have to make a quick move. And there's a lot of trust on your other players. So that there's so many things that are combined. And you have to have just a couple nuts missing in the top of the head because <laughs> it is a pretty crazy, crazy play. I mean, there's yeah. – I remember there, there was like a year where I just wouldn't fair catch even if the guy was on my lap <laughs> because that was my only opportunity to get the ball in my hands as an early player in the career. So I was like, if, if I'm getting a punt, I'm taking it, which – you know, the coaches would always say, I'm not going to coach that out of you. Just don't fumble the ball. But, 
you definitely have to be a little crazy. And, and you know, with, with punt return, which is different than kickoff return, because kickoff return, there's waves of guys, mm. you know, which when I was playing, now it's changing with all the rules and the wedges and stuff. But with the punt return, you get one really wave. So the guys with side-to-side quickness or change of direction quickness, if you can break that wave, then you really only got to beat a punter. And so that, that was like one of my strengths was, was the side-to-side direction and, and change of direction. So it worked into my favor. And, you know, I loved that play. That was like – it was a crazy play. But, <laughs> you know, I remember the first time I was in training camp and I didn't know how to catch punts. You know, it, there's, there's a whole technique. If the ball turns over with the right foot of punter, you play it on your right chest. If it doesn't, it's going to be short and die right with the right – so I was still learning, and I remember it was the first – I went to Kent State, and we probably have, you know, 300 people in the crowd at our home game. So, I mean, we didn't have a lot of people. And then I, I roll up to my first training camp practice in New England, and, like, pre-practice, you got to catch punts, and there's 20,000 people. I'm sitting there nervous as hell, and I drop a couple – and, and they started booing and stuff. I'm like, oh, <laughs> man, what are we doing? Oh, that's crazy, great. Man. That's hilarious, but, man. Oh. Are you, it, you would think it would be more nerve-wracking when you, when you like know you got a fair catch because you have to catch the punt. You know what I mean? Like, you got to catch the punt. Like, that, that yeah. seems like it would be more a little more nerve-wracking. They can't hit you, though. If, if you throw that <laughs> hand up in the air, you almost – so you're kind of if – you're, if you're a savvy punt returner and, and – and you see a guy coming, you may take a hit, but you'll walk in, you'll give a late hand and try to get a hit so you get 15. Yeah. Like, that's what Savvy did. Like, I would try to do that all the time where you, you try to get – because if they hit you, you get in that zone, that's a, that's, a, that's a penalty. So, you know, once you're comfortable catching punts, which you don't catch punts with your hands, you catch them with your feet depending mm. on where the ball is. You know what I mean? You're not going to – you don't want to olay it, as they would say in baseball. You want that 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 body in front of it. So, you know, it was always just if you have your feet there, you're gonna be fine. And you know, the fair catch, they can't touch you. But they, I did get messed up one time, at Atlanta. I broke my jaw because I, I came up and they hit me, and I did fair catch it, and and they didn't. Or I don't know if I fair caught it, but I broke my jaw. <laughs> oh, it came my head. Boom! It was nuts. The, and, and how? I just need to ask this because everybody, I'm sure, is starting to appreciate if they didn't already that Julian Edelman is okay with uh, contact and is and is pretty tough. How many games did you miss because of the broken jaw? Didn't miss him. Yeah, that's say, what I thought the answer was going to be. That's what I thought. Yeah. I was setting you up there, Julian. That is yeah, crazy, man. You're playing, nah. in, you're playing in an NFL game with a broken jaw. It, are, is there any part of you that next week that's like, please don't, <laughs> please don't hit anywhere around here? Ah, Tordo is a hell of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good Tordo is a hell of a drug. I yeah. tell people that all the time, man. Hey, you got a sprained ankle. You got something. You're like, I don't know if I can do this. You take that Tordo. You're like, oh, we're good. Let's go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's great. Hey, Julian, you um, you, you have, a obviously, as we're seeing in the success of your your media career and your and your new podcast, uh, which we'll talk more about in a bit. You um, you have a really, I think, magnetic personality, and and we definitely felt that in your playing days. But there was also 
always the thought that under Bill Belichick, the Patriots liked to mute those personalities. We saw Tom, you know, finally go on Howard Stern the second he leaves the Patriots, right? When he signs with the Bucks, And there's definitely a feeling of that. What, what was it actually like interacting with Bill for you, for a guy who does have an outgoing personality? You know, what kind of guy is Bill behind the scenes? And what is it like for maybe people who, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's not natural for you to, to have to be conscious of, of, of staying in line. Well, Bill is, through example, Bill just shows you pure intensity and pure hard work. Like, yeah. he's always working. He's always doing something. So when you're a young player, you know, you're, you're terrified of talking with him. You know, it, it, because you haven't made plays. He's going to remind everyone who's young, you haven't made a play in the goddamn NFL. This isn't <laughs> Kentucky. This isn't LSU. This isn't Louisiana Lafayette Tech of the North. This is the <laughs> National Football League, and everyone knows how to play, and you haven't made a play here yet. That's the kind of stuff he tells you from day one. So there's already an instant like, oh, I'm kind of scared of this guy because – also, what he does around the team. I mean, when I was there, he, he got rid of – he traded, like, Randy Moss week two, like, it, because there was some stuff. And, like, you know, no one was bigger than the team. And yeah. everyone was held accountable. You know, and, and once you start making plays and once you start contributing but also keeping it business, like, Bill will crack a joke with you. Like, he's, it's just going to be a real, you know, a, a real – a real big deep jab, like, you know, like <laughs> look at him. I mean, I've seen 1500 players. You think like he, he could, he, he's seen and he has a photographic <laughs> memory where he'll throw out a play from like the Giants Niners game. Like I seen LT knock this guy out. What do you think I you think you could do it? Like, I'm like, uh, <laughs> no. Nah, <I> <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause he's, yeah. he's just a library of knowledge and he works his ass off. So, you know, he gets a, a bad he gets a bad stigma sometimes with how he is with players. But, you know, you make plays and, and you're you're not a problem. He's going to have fun with you. And that's how it was. You just got to make some plays and gain some courage enough to be able to do that around him. I mean, I think it took me like seven years, but, you know, it was good <laughs> after that. But is, is that the culture just around the Patriots in general, just because of all the winning and, and like, you know, everybody of, of, you know, all of the division championships and the back-to-backs and all of that stuff? Like, is that what you feel when you walk through the doors in, in that facility? When you walk in the door, you see, you know, when I walked into the door for the first time, I saw three Lombardi trophies. You see Tom Brady's in there. You know, in in March, you see the leader, a three-time Super Bowl winning championship quarterback, you know, they're early. You know, you see, you know, the junior Seals that are working hard, the Teddy Brewskis that are working hard. These guys had had these unbelievable careers up to that point that are still working their nuts off. So, you know, if you don't fit in, you, you don't get in. Mm-hmm. And, and if you, you know, that's kind of how it is. And I remember – you know, you'd walk by and I was, you know, the rookies kind of stayed together. We were all like, we had our own little locker area and you'd be kind of loud with the rookies. You wouldn't talk to a vet because, you know, they'll put you in your place. And, you know, someone's joking around and you hear, I think you hear Brewski scream out like, hey, hey, rookies, don't be heard, be seen. 
<laughs> everyone just shuts up, you know, and that's how yeah. it was, you know, in those days. And it's Teddy Bruschi, a man who, you know, he, he had a interception in the snowball against, you know, the Raiders. He's made crazy plays. And, and they remind you that with all the, the memorabilia, like uh, the pictures of important plays of the teams in the past. And once you walk in there, it's like, there's no dicking around. This is, this is a job and there's a standard. And if you don't hold that standard, you see people just in and out, in and out, in and out. And that's how it was for, you know, my part of my career there, my whole career there. I mean, I played in, in the receiver room. I think there was 175 different receivers in the room my 12 years. Dang. Wow. Jeez. That's crazy. That's that's that's, that's, that's what it's like with, with the that's what it was was like when I when I first got to the Yankees, but it was because of the core four, it was because of Derek and, and Andy and Mo and Posada and what they had already accomplished and how hard they still work. It was amazing to me to see where these guys were in their careers and like how hard they still it made it inspired all of us. You know what I mean? It was just this is what we're gonna do, this is how you have to win. These guys are leading by example, and if whatever they're doing, we're going we have to follow them. And that's 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 the key to the whole Patriot way. It's your best players working their tails off, doing the extra stuff, doing the little things, being attentive, not believing the hype, ignoring noise, managing expectations, all those things by the best players on the team have to do that. And if you're 53 on the team and you think that you're you're going to just flop it around and you see those guys, like, you're not going to be there. So you instantly have to get there just to fit in. You know, that, yeah. and that's – that's everyone wants to talk about the Patriot way. That's what it was with the Vrabels, the Brewskis, the Kevin Falks, the Tim uh, – Troy Browns. Like, all the guys from before, they were always having this work ethic, this accountability factor, trying to get the edge. That was always the thing. The more you can do – Guys would always say that in the locker room. The more you can do, I'm getting the edge on you, Edelman. You ain't doing shit. I don't know if you can swear here. <laughs> oh, can. no. This is, you oh, can. yeah. You yeah. can say whatever the fuck you want on you this know. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, you know, in the weight room, guys competing, practice, guys fighting. Like, that's what it was in the Patriots because we ultimately knew if we went out there and we sharp, iron sharpens iron. We w worked our asses off in practice. It was going to make the games the easiest thing. Oh, that's awesome. That is great. So. visual that you're painting uh julian how about tom adjusting to retirement have you have you shown him the ropes how's he doing <laughs> since being officially retired this time is he is he officially retired i don't know <laughs> I mean, people I don't still know. thought you were coming back this year so I, yeah they did yeah you know it's uh I, i've seen him at a couple shindigs yeah it looks like he's having a good time he's spending a lot of time with his family I mean, he, I think he's doing all right. He, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's all sunshine and rainbows around people. But when you're by yourself and it's in your body clock, we all as athletes have body clocks. That's the that's the hardest thing to adjust to when mm. you first retire is that body clock. Oh, it's May right now. We have mini camps in two weeks. I, sh I feel like I'm out of shape. What's going on? Like, that's what drives you know, guys insane that first year out of retirement. But, uh, you know, if if anyone can compartmentalize and deal with retirement, like that dude's the GOAT. So he's going to be fine. And I'm excited to see him on Fox or whatever he's doing. You know, I'm sure he's got his hands in so many things. We we talk here every once in a while, but uh, 
he, he sounds like it and he's looking like he's enjoying it. Speaking of, uh, you know, hands in a lot of things and, and, and out in the entertainment world, you have the games with names podcast with Sam Morrill, where you revisit iconic moments from the greatest sports games ever played launched it in August of 2022 produced by your production company, Edelman's coast productions and super digital. What? I mean, for you thus far on this journey, because what I love about it is, look, everybody's got a gosh damn podcast, as we know, right? So like you're yeah. even, you know, you try and find a, a lane of specificity that can connect to people, right? Now, either that or, you know, sometimes your personality is dynamic enough or dynamic enough for your credentials, whatever. That can be it too. You have personality and credentials, but you're also saying like, hey, this is something we really want to hone in on. What what has stood out to you thus far about people you've talked to and specific memories that you guys have really been able to dive into? I, it's kind of like uh, you hear. Did you hear about Bill Russell? His he his wife brought him a, a film from college or something a few weeks ago, or it, there was a, some story on it, and he went through the whole thing and he was able to give his insight on every single play from like 60 years ago. I mean, and it, it's really cool to have that perspective from people that played in like the biggest games that we all loved in all sports. And then the different dynamic that we bring is we also have the fan there, mm -hmm. which Sam Morell, who's he's a comic, stand-up comic out of uh, New York. He's killing it right now. He just had launched his Netflix special. And to hear a guy like him when, you know, two athletes are kind of athleting out and to see how he gets in, like, it's just a fun podcast where you get to get insight from people from the best games of all time that had an impact in those games. What are your guys' favorite games of all time? Like, what game would you like to see Ooh. on Games with Names? CC, one that you played with, Ryan, one that you watched or you commentated, like, or you could even whatever you watched. Like, mm. what game would you like to see Man, or hear? It, it would be the um, mine would be the 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 Tuck Rule game. To be honest, like really, up, up, oh it yeah, because I guess yeah, growing Raiders. up Raider yeah, fan yeah. and like yeah. like hearing Charles Woodson talk about it, or even like yeah. Tom Brady, like yeah, like to hear them talk about that, like yeah, because I, I fucking broke a TV that day. I was fucking hot, cause that shit was crazy. <laughs> so like, that's the that's the biggest game that comes to my mind that I think about. Uh, and then Gruden leaves. That's a good one. Goes to Tampa and then, Bay. Yeah, and then Gruden bounces, and then, and then the next year we get to the Super Bowl year. and get blown out. Like, yeah. yeah, like that whole thing, like all of that. I would mm -hmm. I would love to just pick everybody's brain that was a part of that. The butterfly you know, effect of the tuck rule. The oh Raiders. my god! Because because but even those, those couple years, but in the, the next year, uh, Sarah Goose jumps on uh, Rich Gannon's uh, shoulder, breaks messes his shoulder up, and then we're out. So like that was like a couple, two or three years where the Raiders could have been like could have won a Super Bowl, where it was the tuck rule, the Sarah Goose, and then we lost in the Super Bowl to to Gruden. It was crazy. I remember. Um, I and I'm saying, I'm saying I'm saying we too. I'm like a, I'm one of those guys. <laughs> <The Jet Man. laughs> you're part of it when you're a kid. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I think it's a game I was at as a fan. I was in college 
I'm a Giants fan, Julian. So I think I would go with not that it's a happy memory for you know people in your neck of the woods football wise, but Super Bowl Forty Two, because like just obviously there's you know that's a game that there's certainly been plenty of attention around. But I think about it in my fandom, and I knew it at the time, and it has rained true. There probably will never be another game as a fan I'll ever experience that will have everything that that game had and meant as far as stakes, circumstances, the the, the shock of victory, the <laughs> what was on the line. Like that that game really is the game when I think about it. My football fandom. Well, Ryan. Yeah. It is the luckiest day of all days for you. We actually did Super Bowl Forty Two. We had Eli, my favorite Manny, with Teddy Bruschi talking about oh, the old. We got, I gotta go back 17. and check this out. We man. gotta check it out. We gotta check yeah. it out. Okay, we gotta good. check it out. Was is that the helmet catch or yeah, that's the that's, one? Okay, yeah, that's yeah. The I was catch. I was at that Super Bowl. Yeah, I was at that. Yeah, and then and then in eleven there was the the, the sideline cover five. Mario Manningham catch where the, you, you had to put it in one spot and one spot only. And Eli, my favorite Manning, of course, put it there. <laughs> Mario Manningham. Remember that yeah. game? Well, remember, because remember, there's that great soundbite from Belichick on the sideline going, this is still a Knicks and Cruz game. This is a Knicks and Cruz game because he would, you know, he was trying to take them out or whatever. And then the, the irony was the, the biggest catch of the game was this like one big play from Mario Manningham Man, down the sideline. Yeah. 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 Hakeem crazy. Nicks. What, what about those names? Crazy. Well, I thought Hakeem Nicks looked like he was on his way to being the greatest Giants receiver of all time. His first four years are unbelievable. And then, man, it, it actually it makes me appreciate a career like yours even more, Julian. Like yeah. seeing what you did for as many seasons as you did. Yeah. Because. You know, the, the physicality of our sport is the ultimate equalizer. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing. Like, everyone, like, when you're 100%, the game is so fun. But the guys that learn how to adjust when they're not 100%, the Tom Brady's that, yeah, people don't know Tom Brady had, like, a broken foot in, like, 13 and 14 or something. He didn't miss a game because mm -hmm. he adjusted his, his game properly and he, he found a way out. To, to go out and perform at a high level like that is the craziest thing about football like if your body ain't there your body's not feeling good it, it, you know you ain't, you ain't gonna win the race it's like nascar those guys are trying to hey how's the car running this weekend we got a slow car we're gonna have to, we're gonna see what we're gonna do over here you know like that's what it is it's the guys that can win when the car ain't running yeah. the fastest are the guys that can play <laughs> consistently well julian we could talk to you all day, man. This is outstanding. Yeah. Con congratulations on everything you have going on. Now I obviously am going to go back and listen to the Eli and Teddy Bruschi episode of the podcast with you and Sam. Games with Names podcast. I'm assuming people can get it wherever they want, right? Anywhere. 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 I just wait. How many do we have? Are those... Uh... Uh, Nickelodeon Slime Time Awards back there. Where are those? What are those back there? Are we exactly what they are right there. Are we those, those out here? Yeah. And hey. we got a Jordan. 
You know, oh, we got yeah. so so these we got these are CC's uh, cleats okay. that he autographed okay. for me. One for He's my third. You see, all right, he covers the cleats, but I yeah, yeah. Those, I see those slime. What are you? What were you? What were you asking about? Over here, over here? I, I, the, yes, we we got some autographed cleats from C. That's one great. one of has his uh thirty first for my thirty first birthday, and then one where he gave all his like friends um a pair when he retired with like all his accomplishments on it. So it says like three thousand strikeouts and uh two hundred fifty wins, stuff like that. Um we're gonna need to add HOF to that at some point in the next couple so. years. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh Definitely. and then yes, those are those are uh Emmys for the work I do on oh. the Yankees and Mets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Emmys, Emmys. oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, uh, yeah. I, yeah. Those they are, feel those are real cool. too. They're, they feel it's funny. Sometimes my friends are like, "Oh, is this like?" Because like there, you know, there are these are these are get, New York Emmys. There are national <laughs> Emmys that I still have aspirations for. But yeah, they'll be like. They'll expect them to feel kind of like chintzy, and then they pick them up and they're like, "Whoa, wait, this is a well, real Emmy." I'm like, well, "Yeah, I didn't. I'm not displaying a fake one." But yeah, they hey, actually do a nice job with those trophies. Shout out to the four Emmys over there. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. Killing yeah, me. yeah. yeah. You hey, CC. Hey, you know, hey, I'll give you my address. I'll take one of those Jordan cleats with all that stuff too. Oh hey, yeah, so, I got hey, you. Uh, send a jersey. Know. Send a jersey. You know, it's one of those. We can do a swap. Oh, you, oh, you a already swap. know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Julian, thank you for all the time, man. Continued success. Uh, we know you just made a big move out west, so good luck with all of that. And um, and and continue uh, killing it on the podcast and everything else you're involved in. Appreciate it, guys. You guys take care. Thanks, Appreciate Julian. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. Julian was fantastic. We've been pumping out for the football fans, especially. We've been giving you some really good football guests of late, all right? But, but just in general, been on a good run of interesting people, which if you have not even dipped our toe into boxing with Devin Haney before his big fight and win over Lomachenko, if you have not listened to uh, some of the recent podcasts, go back and do it. You know, that's part of the beauty of these conversations is a lot of what we talk about is not irrelevant if you haven't listened to it yet there's still a pertinence to it so make sure you go back check out former episodes and uh, check us out next week you guys know the deal new episodes every thursday you can download our 2c2 wherever you get your podcast and make sure you're subscribing on youtube as well it makes a big difference for us all right peace everybody